This is Dr. Saba Marouf, and you are listening to Unsung Heroes, uncovering stories of inspiration and action here on Podcast Detroit. Hello, everybody, and happy Friday to our live listeners. Welcome to another episode of Unsung Heroes, Stories to Inspire here on the Podcast Detroit Network, where we are on episode 25. What? I know, I can't believe it. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm here with my guest, my I'm sorry, with my co-host, Calvin Moore. Yeah, you already heard me. I, I, was, like, I was like, what? <laughs> that was me. You didn't know. <laughs> yes. That was me. That's why I had to, yeah. Speed up my intro. Always glad to be here. Always glad to be here. Thank you so much for coming on a Friday, well, noon now, but Friday after Thursday night. And thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks. I I appreciate being appreciated. I also (laughs) appreciate you. So it's good. It's good. (laughs) And we're also here with our sound engineer, Jess. Hi, Jess. Hey, welcome back. Oh, thank you. That was not me. If you were wondering, (laughs) that was was Jess. Dramatic (laughs) voice changer. So. Very yes, talented. we had a week off. I was gone for my brother's um, wedding reception in North Carolina, and um, it was an amazing time with friends and family, um, especially seeing a lot of my parents really, I mean, like old friends that, you know, friends um, really essentially that he's known, that my parents have known before they moved to America and, and as they established their life here. And it was really beautiful to see that, And actually. you sent pictures. You yes. sent pictures to yeah, me, and, and I, you sent it, pictures to Jess. They yeah. are gorgeous. Gorgeous pictures. I was like, <laughs> Your whole okay, family just I, looks so beautiful. I feel like at, oh, at Muslim weddings, painful, but <laughs> because like, and now I feel like my wedding was like super boring. Like I wore a tuxedo, <laughs> my wife wore her dress. It was great. But I feel like at, at Muslim <laughs> weddings, based on the fashion alone, I feel like you should put on like runway music and Seriously. everybody should just kind of like walk and do the turn. <laughs> Everyone looked Everyone like so royalty. Great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, thank you. It was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's our Indian Pakistani culture. We do love our fashion. Well, it was cool. <laughs> so so thank you. Speaking, speaking of uh, weddings, my one year anniversary is tomorrow. Oh, oh happy anniversary. Yeah, Congrats. Yeah, I'm super Mabruk. excited. <laughs> Wait, translate that for me. <laughs> congrats. Oh, that means congrats as well. <laughs> and that was our guest for today, uh, Agnes Fisher. Hello. Hi, Thank Agnes. Thank you so much for having Thank me. Thank you so much for accepting Super and being here. It. I'm so honored and humbled to have you. And it's funny because we just met right now here in the here at the studio. But in person. Right? In person. Yeah. But I feel like I've oh. known you. Um, you know, I've been following your work and we're, you know, friends on social media. And so that's that's always neat. It's like, yeah, it is. It's different. A, yeah. Like you feel like, you know, somebody and then you see them in person and you're like, oh, my God, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. Um, and Calvin, I was uh, listening. I wasn't here last week, but I listened. Uh, I got a little snippet of your show. Um, he, uh, Calvin has his own show, um, Leading Questions with Calvin Moore, and that's how I was introduced to this and the inspiration for this show because I was a guest on with him. But um, I was listening while I was in North Carolina. You had a, an incredible panel on um, uh, Muslim women, mm-hmm. and you had a little announcement, and I was like jumping I in did. circles. I was yeah. like so excited when you announced that you were going to be – well, I was saying announcement, but you were like shared with us that you're um, going to be applying to law school. I am going that to be awesome. applying to law school. I wow. figure you – know, I do I do my show. I do your show. Um, I was just on a panel uh, on Wednesday that had the mayor of Hamtramck 
and uh, a board member from Wayne State University as well. Uh, and so I get invited to do things like that, and I'm I'm constantly meeting people, whether through your show or my show or you know doing public speaking events. People who have a background in law, all sorts of different type of law, who are affecting uh, change, policy change, communal change. And while I love my show, my show comes out of this idea of I'm tired of people arguing with each other on the internet. Let's do it face to face, and you know, be forced to to deal with the person at the end of your ideas. Um, I don't know that my show necessarily changes. Uh, policy so much as it changes perspectives. And so I'd like to be able to be out there and and be the change I want to see in the world in, in a way that actually impacts um, the community at large and around me. And so, yeah, looking at law school to uh, to be able to do that. Uh, we will see what kind of law I go into. But yeah. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah, wish me luck. I, I'm so Good proud luck. of you. And that's like, that's, that's brave. Like, it, you know, to the thought of going back to school, applying, making yourself vulnerable, but you know, yeah. that's awesome. Thanks. I know you're going to be amazing. So welcome back to our listeners. And just to recap, I'm um, sorry, our purpose here is to share amazing stories and unique narratives um, of individuals who have been sparked by their passion to become movers, shakers and change makers in our communities. And as Calvin mentioned, we've had uh, a variety of guests on our show, including attorneys and other professionals and authors, artists, entrepreneurs, um, and I'm really excited the growing list of amazing, amazing individuals that we've been able to showcase and share their voices. Um, and today, uh, I'm equally excited because, uh, uh, again, we have Agnes with us, Agnes Fisher. And um, she was born and raised in Dearborn, Michigan. And she's a mother of three. She's a professional photographer and a yoga instructor. Um, but her passion is social activism with a fo- focus on race and Islamophobia. And we're going to talk, of course, a lot about these things, but... Um, Growing up in Dearborn in the 90s, um, she had described to me, really exposure to the turbulent times the city faced adjusting to the large influx of Arab Muslim immigrants, as well as the rampant rampant Islamophobia and racism that came with it. And um, she's always really been intrigued by social structures and classism. And so she began reflecting on her role and what she could do to contribute to positive change in her community. She's a secretary and board member of Project Dignity Outreach, which is a nonprofit organization that does outreach work in the city of Detroit. And she's also the creator of a personal project called the Solidarity 365 Project. She started the project in January, uh, uh, January 1st of 2017, and has been featuring a small biography and portrait of Muslims from all backgrounds. And really, her goal was to show people the human side of a religion that has been unfairly demonized in the media for decades. And... Um, a quote from her, she says, I was raised unconventionally. I lost my caregiver at the age of 14. My closest friends were Muslim. They took me in and showed me kindness and love when I was most alone. I was shown the true example of what Islam is through the virtue of those who stepped up to help me. Islam has always been in my heart. I felt it was time I said thank you. And so the project was born. So <laughs> welcome, Agnes. Thank you so much. Thank that you. make me all emotional. <laughs> I'm such an emotional person. That was a beautiful quote. Thank that you. That was a beautiful quote. And um, I mean, of course, I, I want to, you know, showcase your voice and hear from you, but I, I wanted to kind of use that as your introduction as well. So, um, you know, again, that was just a brief introduction, but tell us a little bit about yourself, um, you know, kind of growing up and how uh, these experiences really inspired the work that you do today. Sure. Um, so my family had been in Dearborn, you know, since late 18, early 1900s. Um, so back when Dearborn was like super white, yeah, yeah, that's- <laughs> <laughs> right. And just 
geographically speaking, in Dearborn, for whatever reason, it's kind of separated between east and west. And we were in the heart of the east end where um, a lot of immigrants settled, Arab immigrants Mm -hmm. settled. Um, So my neighborhood started to become very mixed with, you know, white and Arab. Um, And it was like a slow progression depending on what was happening over in the Middle East. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, the war in Lebanon brought, you know, the Lebanese. And in the 90s, some things started happening in Iraq, which brought Iraqis, Yemenis, you know. And it just so happened that really where I lived is where they started coming in. So I think I took it for granted. I ha- You don't pay attention to that stuff when you're a kid, you know. Well, at least I didn't. Um, but, you know, you have friends who speak a different language, who dress differently, who even look differently than you. And you're just like more friends. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Kids my age in the neighborhood. Yeah. And I just happened to be lucky enough to have a family that didn't point that out in any type of negative way you know like stay away from them or you know anything like that just it didn't matter um so I was lucky like that because a lot of my friends who were white formed you know cliques and stayed in their own with their own and I was blending um so I just you know fate I guess just brought um me close to Arab Muslims and I think they knew my situation at home. Um, I have a sister, an older sister, but we um, we weren't raised by um, a mom and a dad, just, you know, for whatever reason. And um, my older generation of our family, my, my great uncle, my grandma raised us. So um, I think that stuck out to people. So they kind of gave more or you know, kind of kept an eye out, knowing that our caregivers were elderly, um, which, again, you take for granted until you step back as an adult and like, wow, you know, I could have gone down the wrong path or something, you know, bad things could have happened if these people weren't in my life, you know, stepping in to help out, (laughs) help raise us. So, um we our schools got overcrowded very quickly, and they started ship, shipping, <laughs> busing the East Enders to the West End, and that's when everything changed. Like the West End of Dearborn is known to be the very white end of Dearborn, and this is where it opened my eyes to like, um, oh, I'm white, <laughs> and you know I'm surrounded by people who aren't, and now I have this you know, situation in front of me where they're not accepted, but they're my friends. And, you know, these people want me to be their friend too. You know what I'm, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So the Desert Storm War had just started and there was a lot of horrible things that were taking place in the high school. Um, you know, for example, like some kids would wear army fatigues to school and, hang like nooses on little um, dolls that they would make and like use derogatory terms like, you know, sand nigger and, you know, call our side of town like Islamabad or all these weird names like Little Beirut. And, you know, that's where it like it all start fighting, you know, would start happening, um, physical fights. 
um, bullying, all that kind of stuff. So that's where I started to figure out like what my role was in all of that and where my activism side, I guess, came out, like protecting mm-hmm. my friends and sticking up for them. And, and see, this this kind of thing is, is fascinating to me because, you know, we hear, you know, Islamophobic things in the news every single day. Um, I, I was telling you, uh, Saeed Khan, I was, talk, I was talking to him the other day. There's a, there's a new show on uh, called The Brave. And I love shows about the military. I don't know what it is. I love it. Even though politically, I'm probably not the side that necessarily is the most supportive of the military industrial complex. But either way, there's a show and in the very first episode of the show. Uh, of course, they're they're fighting Muslims, right? But the next week, then they're fighting Russian separatists, and mm-hmm. then the next week, they're uh, fighting Muslims again. And then this last week, they fought Muslims again. I'm like, <laughs> man, and I and I asked this, I asked Saeed, I was like, you know, how do you feel about you know a channel that would say, hey, you know, Islamophobia bad, but all their shows seem to portray Muslims as bad guys. And he's like, yeah, you know, I don't I don't have time for it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's just. Um, it's not right. That's how we're portrayed, and it continues to be the narrative, despite you know even the media that's on our side saying that's that that's not cool. Um, but the interesting thing is uh, with what you're expressing, a lot of that kind of media narrative comes out of this fear, you know, that fear of the unknown, fear of oh, you know, all Muslims are terrorists. But almost every story that I hear in regards to interactions between uh, people who are Muslim and people who are not. Uh, the people who are not the Muslims tend to be the aggressors in mm-hmm. this situation. Um, you know, on my Islam with Women panel uh, last week, you know, women were talking about having their hijabs pulled off. Uh, you know, other people, you know, someone pulls up along alongside them and says, you know, go back to your country. It never seems to be uh, – in the interactions I've had with Muslim people, uh, they do not tend to be the aggressors. And so this seems to be more par mm-hmm. for the course for for that kind of experience that I'm coming across. Yeah, absolutely. And back when I was younger, the word terror, terrorist wasn't used. We hadn't had 9-11 yet. It was more, I feel, it was a racialized situation where Muslim just equaled a race. It was so tied into a brown person or a you know non-white person person so i think or non-christian when you think about it right right? yeah um and the hijab i think was racialized as well you know um it wasn't just about the religion it was also about the race so it was like a you know it was a double double whammy Hmm. Hmm. so that's interesting too that um sorry that um like we've had a lot of guests and calvin's uh noticed this that um they saw kind of even just like 9-11 as kind of like as for whatever reason, and many, many Muslims that we've had on um, saw that kind of as a turning point and mm-hmm. um, even just question or for their identity and what they wanted to do with for their lives. But it's interesting that you've kind of seen this progression. And, um, and I remember feeling this way, actually, at 9-11 that, I mean, this is this is bad, but I was like, it's not I mean, we were, there was still there was discrimination before that too and we were portrayed in a certain way in the media before that um in movies and things like that so Mm -hmm. it's interesting to kind of hear the progression and kind of the stepwise kind of evolution that you kind of observed as well Mm -hmm. so um part of your bio we uh we quickly talked about you know the project dignity outreach can you tell us a little bit about that so that um, we are a nonprofit organization that has existed going on five years. It was founded by a Muslim. Her name is Nahid Ayub. Um, she was a corporate, you know, 
a white-collar worker in Detroit, and she would pass a lot of homeless people on the streets every day and just came to her own realization like that she wasn't maybe giving back enough or seeing them as humans. So she started to feed, um, give you know, provide food for them on a weekly basis. And um, a couple years into the organization, I was personally searching. I didn't know who she was, but I was personally searching for something to get involved in as a way to give back as well. And I wanted it to be um, just for my own personal reasons, I wanted it to be a Muslim organization. So I started doing research, and obviously I live in the best city to find a Muslim <laughs> to, <laughs> who is charitable. So um, it didn't take long. I found her, and I reached out to her, and I said, I want to be part of this. And so basically on every Sunday for the past, going like I said, going on five years, never missed a Sunday, right outside of the NSO on 3rd and Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Um, we provide like a, a really big picnic. We go down and set up like a bunch of tables and hot, nutritious meals. You know, that was the big thing was, so you guys will be you know, moving soon because I think the NSO right there is about yeah. close, isn't it? Well, they're, I they're think they told they are, but okay. I think they said we have almost a year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Before they tear it down. So, um, and then it grew, like other people saw it and started helping out. They would bring like you know, um, toiletries, clothing, um, sleeping, but anything like that. You know, we were mainly the food and then other people coupled uh, up with us. And so we've grown and have brought on some really wonderful board members and it's expanding. We have a medical bus now hmm. that we were able to, to buy. Well, it was donated to us, I should say, um, and we're providing like just basic screening um, and then referrals to where they can go if there is, say, you know, a, a health issue like f- through the blood pressure and, you know, whatever the, the basic stuff that they do. Um, so that's great. And then we're about to have a an our, um, sorry, a gala, an annual gala on November 17th at the Henry in Dearborn, which is bigger than wow. anything we've ever done. We usually have a woman, women's event every year, but this time we're it's men and women and it's way bigger than we've ever done. Like we've gotten some just super generous sponsors. We were looking to raise $100,000 and it looks like we're going to reach that goal. And how much are tickets for that? They're $100 a piece. Okay. Um and we're we're doing really well. I I don't really know how many tables we have left. There definitely is room, but it just Surprised me how quickly people started. Well, is there a website up. for Project Dignity? There outreach? is. It's yeah, it's Project Dignity Outreach MI dot org. Okay, cool. Wow. Um, now, moving on to talking about your project, the Solidarity um, three sixty five project. Um, on the Facebook page, you describe that the goal of this project is to open lines of communication and break down walls and build bridges. Um, Tell us a little bit about this project and kind of the inspiration behind it. Sure. So um, different phases, you know, throughout my life. I, I, I think it would start with 9-11. Um, having so many Muslims in my life and seeing how they were affected by these things, like, you know, worried to leave their home, worried to let their mothers and sisters leave the home without them being with them for fear of, you know, and it's it's a justified and legitimate fear because we see that you know, these people are being attacked and, and, um, confronted. Uh, so every time something like that would happen, the first thing I would always think of is how are my friends doing and 
How are they affected? Um, and I would call and reach out and uh, see, I'll try not to get emotional. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's okay to be emotional. I know, but then my voice starts to sound really silly and I'm already <laughs> cracking. Um, so, you know, we had like San Bernardino and then the Miami nightclub mm. and it was just getting like out of hand. And I would all, the first thing, anytime I'd hear like active shooter or, you know, the first thing I'd be like, please don't let him be a Muslim. Mm. Mm-hmm. Please don't let him be a brown yep. person, black person. Like, please just let him be white. <laughs> um, and I always wanted to do something. I always wanted to do my part. Like, the world tends to not listen to Muslims stand up for Muslims, you know. So maybe if some non-Muslim white – and I don't affiliate myself with a religion, but I'm automatically tied into probably, you know, Christianity or something, just – by looking at me so maybe if i started speaking up people would start to listen i don't know i'm gonna give it a try that's kind of what i thought so first i started writing a book because in my neighborhood that i live in in dearborn we had like this joke it was like the great white flight like people were just leaving and i just started getting nosy and asking like well where are you moving and they would you know oh south lion milford you know these suburbs on the outskirts and when I would say why, they, they would be honest because I'm white and they would open up to me and be like, because the Arabs. What, what do you mean? Like, you, like it was obvious, you know, I'm like, mm. well, what about them? <laughs> what are they doing? And they never had an answer. They were just like, well, there's too many of them. You know, we just it's just there's too many and we're going to leave and go where we all look alike. And you know what I mean? Feel more comfortable. So I would start asking questions like, well, have you tried to be friends with them? Have you tried to open up? Have you tried to like open your doors to them? Have you tried to get your kids to hang out? And it was always the same answer like mm, they didn't have the desire to. So it was really bothering me. Um, my kids are of mixed race. They're biracial. And I, I never – I was like I will never leave Dearborn because I don't want them to – I need them to see all different colors. I need – I don't want them to stand out, you know. I want them to, and they gravitate towards people of color. So I'm, I think it's a great decision that we decided to stay because, you know, I just, um, so, okay, let me get back on track. So when this was happening, I thought I would write a book about Dearborn because I truly, truly Mm -hmm. believe and have always believed that it's, in my opinion, the most unique city in America. Like we have a blending of cultures that, you know, like how? Why did it happen here? Like, you know, and there's really not a definite answer, like a definitive answer. But we know it had something to do with Henry Ford's, you know, the jobs and stuff like that. But still, like, we are very blended. And so I started on a book and then life happened. So that was taking a lot of time. And um, then social media happened because really back then when I was like, I'll write a book like who am I going to, how am I going to share it? How am I going to get it out there? How am I going to, you know? Um, so once Facebook started to become really big um, and I could see, uh, you know, the opportunity, I could use that opportunity, I then decided that I would um, start a project. And then again, that life happened and it took forever. And I don't know what my breaking point was. I'm a very impulsive person. And I think it was like December 25th, 6th, 7th, something. And I'm like, on January 1st, (laughs) in four days, I am starting a project. (laughs) I had no preparation whatsoever. I work in a facility, though. I'm 
blessed to work in a facility that is a big rec center, hype um, mm-hmm. athletics. And I went to the CEO and I was like, I want to do this project. And he was like, whatever you need, you know, set up your own studio, have the interviews here, do what you, you know. And so, yeah, January 1st, I just was like, um, I'm going to I'm going to start featuring a Muslim a day every day for 365 days and humanize the religion and let people know um, what I know about the, the, the religion and, and the culture and, and all that good stuff. And so how do you how do you feature a person a, I mean it's not too hard with social media I would I would guess but uh, how do you go about finding the people that you feature every single every single day So and let me back and have you ever missed a day Oh my god yeah okay. now I have That was my I, I started off with the intention and I did really good till Ramadan Okay So um how did I find them Well luckily I have a lot of great friends who supported me like tremendously and they like Dearborn is a pretty tight knit community. They just had to put the word out and like a bunch of people, you know, started raising their hands. That's how people ended up on my Islam and, and women yeah. panel. Right. I was like, I had zero the day of, and then that <laughs> night I had six. Like, it was crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like my friend shared it and I just started getting inboxes and I wasn't, cause I'm pretty introverted. I wasn't very out there on social media. I had like 300 friends and then like within a month I had like 700 and then I had like a thousand and, you know, I just started making connections and then it snowballed from there. So it wasn't hard at all. What what was hard was I was putting about four hours a day every day into it. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, with like the meetings and the write-ups and the pictures and stuff like that. Very cool. So wow. so tell – I don't know if you can't I – mean, so when you're, when you're featuring each person, um, what goes into the person that's featured? Is there a story behind them? Is it like – five pages to read? Is it just a, a picture of them and, and a paragraph? I mean, how, how is it? Yeah, so it started off, um, of course, with Ali Sayed, my C- the CEO of Hype. Um, he volunteered and I kicked it off with him. He's a very well-known person in our community. And at first, I just did a paragraph and he got gypped because by the time <laughs> I got one. to That's like 175 people, it was like five paragraphs. <laughs> um, and he, you know, so I just, everybody has a story everybody has a story. I don't care who you are or what age you are or how much life experience you have. So I just started getting like, oh, you know, do like interview this doctor, interview this attorney or this, you know, city council person. Or it was always a big, a big name, an influential. And then I thought, you know what? I just want to start doing normal everyday people because even they have Mm -hmm. stories too. And students were big. Because I think this new generation is like so involved and so smart and so like they have a different life than we had, you know. So then I started focusing on them and then I got into allies like people, other people like me mm-hmm. who are raised in the city and aren't of the background. Um, so it kind of just branched out and sometimes even people came to me and said, you know, I have a story I want to be featured and I'd be like, sure. Okay. Very cool. And you use your talent and your skills as a photographer too. Yeah, right? just take a like simple in the beginning. Beautiful. The black Thank and white you pictures. So much. I really I, feel like I heard about this before <laughs> I've met you. I don't you know. Probably, here, was this in the media at all? It I, I was. Okay, because I am little sure. small media, not nothing big, nothing national. <laughs> so I, I, well, I mean, we're regional, so obviously, you know, I hear about Michigan. Yeah, I've I've heard of this before, so it's kind of cool. I love when this happens. When <laughs> so I'll hear something my- and then she'll bring she'll bring him on the show. I was like, oh, that's great. So <laughs> right. I've heard all about this. This is great. Yeah, and then I just started getting um, invited to things as well, like 
um, other groups that were, you know, out there doing like, like you, like, um, the ZZ show, the, the radio show, um, Dinner with a Muslim, Amanda Saab. Oh, yeah. You know. She's going to, yeah. Calvin's been there, yeah, been there okay. for dinner and yeah. she's going to be a so, guest on our show, too. I love her so much. Um, so, yeah, then that started happening. And then it was just this whirlwind. I think you might be on my personal page, so you might not be seeing the pictures. I'm seeing the pictures. Of, oh, you are? Okay. okay. Right now, yeah. um, but, yeah, in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm going to be totally Annie Leibowitz and I'm going to take these like amazing portraits and I'm going to get them to dress up and do hair and makeup. And then by the time I was like a weekend, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sit there, smile, <laughs> one picture, you're done. Bye. There you go. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. what, every day of the year, yeah. yeah. That was a little tough. But the pictures are beautiful, even if they're, Thanks. I mean. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So what have you learned about, I mean, this through this experience, what have you learned about your subjects? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I mean, everybody has something to teach another person. I mean, I've learned just – I can't even really articulate that. I think most of all, though, is that it didn't – I didn't learn as much as I – it was like solidified and reinforced Mm -hmm. in me that um, no matter what category this world wants to place you in by race, gender, social status, religion, whatever it is – you can try to put people in any category you want to put them in, but at the end of the day, they're human. They all have a story. And I personally just feel that we all want to be loved and love. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, it does not matter. You know, if I had a blindfold on and I sat down with somebody, I'm going to hear their story. They're going to have a story. It probably is going to make me cry because everything makes me cry. <laughs> and I'm never going to know what you are and what you look like and you know like that's the sad thing is that i don't know we're just so categorized we're labeled just constantly and and none of it's real like it none of it matters you know because at the end of the day that's what i was trying to get to people is like i promise you i would say like if you have any hang-ups about the religion or the culture or the ethnicity or the race if you sit down, if you took the time mm-hmm. to sit down, it will all go away by the time the conversation is over. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I love I love things like this, um, where I mean, you're you're humanizing people. Uh, Amanda Saab and and her husband, I can't remember his name right Hussein? now. Hussein. Hussein. Yes. Uh, at when I went to their home. They they put themselves in the lion's den where right. it's just like hey you know ask us any any ask a Muslim it's basically what it is I was mm-hmm. like oh my god that's but still it's it's meant to humanize hey yeah. you know this is who we are we got a house we got to pay bills just like everybody else <laughs> we're trying to get pregnant oh we're pregnant we got kids now <laughs> uh, we you know we like to eat we love food <laughs> mm-hmm. you know we got a job hey we're entrepreneurs in the city as well and so I, I love the fact that you're putting stories out there because ultimately I think what leads to a lot of uh, the hatred or even misunderstandings is this desire to, I hate using this word, but uh, otherize, mm-hmm. to, to make someone else uh, the other. And most people hate people that they've they've never met, that they don't know, they know nothing about. Uh, I learned a long time ago, it was one of the <laughs> advice I was given prior to getting into a relationship with my wife, is uh, more often than not, when someone is mad at you uh, or doesn't like you, Either – no, if, if you – no, if someone's mad at you, either you don't know or you don't care. It's like one of those kinds of things, right? And so when you're looking at 
strangers who hate other people. Humanizing is absolutely integral. One of the main benefits of it is I think it stands as a corrective so that when things do happen, like you said, you know, God, don't let it be a Muslim. Sometimes it is, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a crazy black person. Sometimes it's a crazy white person. Sometimes it's a crazy Hispanic person. Sometimes it's a crazy, (laughs) it's just a crazy person doing something crazy. Exactly. Um, But then... We want to use that crazy person. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, see, this is what they're all yeah. like. Poster mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you know mm-hmm. what? No, here is this project. It's it's fantastic. It's pictures. Come look at this. It stands as a corrective. I love that kind of thing. Or, hey, you know what? All Muslims are terrorists. Hey, I had a great dinner at, you know, <laughs> you know dinner with your Muslim neighbor. That was a great event. And so uh, if only to stand as a corrective, I think it's an absolutely beautiful and integral thing. Yeah, I and agree. I think, and I thank you for saying that. Okay. Yeah. I totally agree too. And I think it kind of and works the other way as well. Um, in this, and I know my husband and I have a lot of conversations about this. He works in Port Huron um, uh, four days a week. We live in Troy and he works in Port Huron. And he, and both of us, we have, um, we're both physicians and we see like a diverse array of um, patients. And, um, and you know, he, he's a dermatologist, but he, I can tell by the way he talks about his patients that he definitely, he strikes conversations and he has relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a psychiatrist, it's easy to do that cause I have the time, but, uh, I can tell he does as a dermatologist as well. And, you know, especially with the current political situation, it's easy even as a Muslim for us to label other people and stereotype other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so exactly when we have these conversations, that's the only way that we can just break down those barriers and. Um, and get to know each other. And it, again, it's kind of sometimes I even ask myself, I'm like, okay, I'm Muslim, but what is I try to see how other people see me? And I'm like, that's they just they just don't know me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, by just looking at me, does a person know that I, you know, I, I love music, I enjoy a wide variety exactly. of music, I read all types of books. You, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knew as many Muslims like you too as. <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, until like you too. I, I, yeah. I went to go see. Oh. I went to go see you too. She bought tickets. You, you so and your funny. husband bought tickets, and I think I was the only non-Muslim in the group. <laughs> it was a group of like thirty of us. Yeah, it was That's crazy. So it was we fantastic, like you too. too. I, was like, I know. <laughs> it's relativity too, mm-hmm. like, which is one of the best examples. Is you know, I had someone on in the project who had lost a baby, and oh, it was horrible, mm-hmm. but. The amount of inboxes I got from other women saying, I meet, you know, me too. Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing that. She was so brave. And then that they connected, you know. So it's just relativity like, oh, you, you're adopted. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. you lost your dad to cancer. Oh, you, you know, um, oh, you're an attorney. I'm an attorney. You know, like rel- just finding common. Yep. You know, it, that's it. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, the feedback that I've been getting is, I thought I was scared. I thought like, oh, I'm going to get hate mail. I'm going to get, you know, and no, it was, it's the opposite. People are like, thank you so much. Like, wow, I learned so much. Oh, I thought this. And like Jesus, like they were like, what do you mean they like Jesus? You know, like, yeah, <laughs> he's a prophet. <laughs> they do. And then that helps them, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, Mary is revered. And mm-hmm. then, you know, so it's just not knowing it's the unknown you know the fear that is created by this mystical religion that like you know makes bombs in their basements and like is out to like rule the world 
you know, which I'm just trying to rule bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I'm just trying to get the kids to sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I ain't got, I'm trying to do. I ain't got time for terrorism. I ain't got time for that, right? <laughs> exactly. All right. That's so funny. Uh, and, you know, the the other thing that's that's interesting is yeah once you, once you get to know people uh, yeah the relativity thing you know what what do we relate on uh, and your questions become less about the thing that is unknown and becomes about just regular everyday things or I mean things outside of my wheelhouse like hijab it's it's not a thing for me but every single week I'm like what's her hijab gonna look like because <laughs> it's just so fashionable right so it's like a fashion thing now right which I think is so cool to me uh, which by the way I love your hijab today oh thank right? you yeah, all the floral that's going. another unsung hero I need to have on all my, most of my hijabs are hot hijab I hot tay hijab that. Melanie Al Turk okay need to have her on would she have to call in or is she here in Michigan she um, is based in I mean she's in New York um, she could call in or I could try to get her when she's in town it'd be cool too yeah it'd be fun Anyway, Anyway, yeah. (laughs) So, wow, incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your stories, sharing our stories. Um, And, I, you know, actually, it's really interesting. It's it's different mediums because that's a lot of kind of what I was – and I met with Calvin before we started this show, and that was kind of another thing too. Uh, I mean, those were a lot of the underlying ideas and – I thought uh, that this things is that very we kind similar. of yeah that we similar, wanted to do right? with this show. Oh, okay. Just exactly sharing stories and mm-hmm. sharing personal narratives, and so it's really interesting that there's so many different ways that you can do that. You know, Absolutely. yes, through writing books, but photography, pictures, mm-hmm. um, podcasts, radio shows, and it's yeah. just right. kind of all dinner, the same. Which you haven't come and then to dinner. Yet. Oh yes, yeah. that oh, was. Yeah. And then Calvin actually started the dinner Detroit. So another uh, project. Eat. Yeah, I know. We would definitely will. All those pictures that you put up. So he started a group also. He just opens up his home for wow. dinner on every Sunday, him and his wife. That's yeah, awesome. Every yeah, this week is a chili cook-off. Oh, wow. It's chili oh. Mm. It's great. I'm waiting for kids' soccer's, soccer schedule Perfect to be done. Year. Yeah. Right. So thank you so much, Agnes. I you really so appreciate welcome. you and thank for you. being I'm here. I'm so glad we finally connected. Yeah. I know. <laughs> thank you. You know, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you, Calvin. Thank, thank you, you Calvin. Jess. Thank you. Thank you Jess. And um, thank you to all of our listeners. And uh, please uh, share, subscribe, listen, catch up on our other episodes. No particular order. Don't feel stressed out that you have to listen from the beginning to the 25. <laughs> Although, I'm kind of OCD like that. It, it I would couldn't do that. hurt. It yeah, couldn't hurt. You've got, you got 25 hours on your hand. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but please also um, leave a comment on our Facebook page or a review on iTunes. That would be very helpful. And it's really exciting um, to be doing this and continuing with this project that we have going on here. Um, and it's really inspired by all of you as well that are listening and getting a little bit of encouragement um, through social media or in person and meeting people all the time that have been tuning in. So thank you. And if you have any ideas on who you would like to be, uh, who any ideas of who would like to be featured on the show, then shoot us a message on Facebook as well. Um, but we'll be here next week with another incredible story and another episode of Unsung Heroes. Thanks. See you next time. 